Hello, my friends. Welcome to season four, episode two. And this week, not only do we have this episode today with Paula Ferris, but I'm throwing at you a bonus episode today, like at the same time. Why? Simply because there's so much going on in the world. I, some of these interviews that I'm recording, I'm feeling the tension as a leader of wanting to address um, both the immediate, like the urgent things happening right now in the world, in the news, uh, racial reconciliation, um, the effects of the pandemic in the global community, uh, mental health, all this kind of stuff that's going on, stirring up in us. And also um, some of the interviews that I've recorded over the last little bit, you know, have such great content, but they may or may not actually address the thing that's happening at any given week. So I'm going to try and spice things up this season with the amazing content that's maybe um, less time sensitive and then kind of spice in with some time timely stuff to address the pertinent issues of the day, the week, the month that we're having. So, okay, all that to say... A few things before we get started. The Digital Church Facebook group. I just started this group within like the last month. I would love for you to join facebook.com slash groups slash word made digital. And I'm going to, of course, I'll link it in the show notes. But this group is a growing group of Christian leaders, whether that's they work in church or or not, but they're leaders within church who um, are from all over the world. And we're trying to make it intentionally as diverse as possible, um, racially diverse nationally diverse and denominationally diverse. We're trying to talk together about evangelism and discipleship. How do we reach people and teach people in this digital age that we live in? Obviously the stuff that we talk about here, but then doing it in some very practical and timely ways. I want people to meet each other, connect, and uh, yeah, I do hope the group will grow. So I go check out the group. Thanks so much, of course, to Compassion, um, who is one of the partners and sponsors on this podcast, COVID-19. It has been trying to really separate people from one another, I think. You know, it keeps us apart, but it doesn't have to. Your gift at Compassion's Disaster Relief Fund, it can help vulnerable children and families who are trying to survive right now, literally survive in this crisis. With your help, Compassion's local church partners can respond immediately to the most critical needs due to COVID-19, the pandemic, that you think, you know, is, is difficult for us. Imagine if you don't even have access to basic food and hygiene supplies or housing security. So you can join this global movement that's protecting the most the most vulnerable people. We're trying to combat COVID-19 with consistent and steady presence of the local church, faithfully serving like they did before COVID-19 and like they're going to do after right in these local communities. So your gift to Compassion right now is going to help equip the local church to provide immediately immediate relief to all kinds of vulnerable people. This is the first year in a century where poverty is going to increase instead of decrease in the world. There's just so much need right now. So go to compassion.ca slash COVID today to give. That's compassion.ca slash COVID. Of course, link in the show notes. Thanks also to Wycliffe College. I love Wycliffe and I'm so excited for them to continue to partner with this podcast. They're an evangelical graduate school of theology. You can take, you always could, but especially in this time, you can take courses online. Maybe you want to get just a course or you want to do a whole degree or a certificate program. I'm right now teaching a course online called Church and Technology at Wycliffe. I should say I'm part of the lecturing for it with the professor. We're having so much 
dynamic conversation. And this is the kind of um, important and timely stuff that people need to learn and grow about. And hey, you can get credits for it too. So check out wickliffcollegeca slash wordmadedigital and you can see all kinds of course offerings coming up for the fall. All right, today's episode, this of the first sort of official one before we go into the bonus episode next, Paula Ferris. Paula is an American journalist. Maybe you've heard of her um, because she's currently a television correspondent for ABC News, but you may know her from when she was a co-anchor on Good Morning America and also she was on The View. She was a co-host on The View, the women's talk show that uh, often gets those spicy uh, debate clips posted all over social media. And so she was part of that. Paula actually left these, what she would have called dream jobs, uh, because she wanted to pursue what she felt was her real calling as a person in media. And um, we're going to talk about that in the podcast today. So let's dive into my conversation with Paula Ferris. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 4, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Welcome, Paula Ferris, to Word Made Digital. It's an honor to have you today. I learned so much from women like you. Welcome to Word Made Digital. Thank you, Joanna, for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, for those of uh, my listeners who don't know much about you, give us the brief bio of where you're at now, what you do now. Joanna, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And to answer your question, right now, you know, I stepped away from my dream jobs at the ABC Network in, um, which is a national network in the United States. And, um, you know, after I stepped away from those two dream jobs, anchoring Good Morning America Weekend Edition and The View, I had this identity crisis, which is where I write a lot of the book. You know, I had leaned in so hard to to work and to calling, quote unquote, calling and career that I burnt out and I knew God was trying to get my attention. And so, you know, I went through a personal crisis and I I knew that I needed to step away because everyone was getting my leftovers and, and that personal crisis really got my attention. It was like five freak events that happened in a short period of time. I felt a little like Job at some point. And I, once I stepped away, I didn't know who I was outside of, outside of those jobs, outside of anchoring Good Morning America and co-hosting The View. And so that's what much of the book is about. It's about misplaced significance and, and how we put it in things that shift and change when there's a personal crisis or there's a pandemic. And it's my story, but it's also coupled with, you know, anecdotes and observations of others. And I conduct interviews um, of of people who've also misplaced significance and how we've discovered unrootable and unshakable purpose and true calling that don't shift when the time shift. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about identity. Um, What would you say? Like, I'll I'll work backwards a little bit. But today, what is your identity? Like, who would you say you are? Well, so often, you know, so for so long, I said, uh, you know, my name's Paula and I'm an anchor at Good Morning America and I'm a co-host at The View. Well, that was unfortunately, you know, who I was 
was what I did. Mm -hmm. And when that shifted, I had this identity crisis. Now I say, because of everything I've gone through, you know, my identity and purpose is rooted in and who I am, and that has nothing to do with what I do. So I say, my name's Paula Ferris, and I'm a, a lover of Jesus, and I'm a wife, and I'm a mother, and I am curious about life, and I ask a lot of questions, and I champion people, and I am dogged in my approach. So like, it's, it's who I am, and it's the giftings that God's given me, but it's not what I do. So what I just described, that's my, my purpose statement in life. That's why I'm here. It's to love God and love people. And this is who I am. And it has nothing to do with what I do. So I mean, there was this long list, this amazing resume you have. And I mean, you, you are impressive. I, I saw you last summer at the Global Leadership Summit hosting that event. And, and on a much smaller scale, I do similar kinds of things. And it's always a privilege to be in front of people doing this thing that I want to get better at. <laughs> and so I saw you in, in some, some, at least some things on your resume were checking off as I was watching you do this, but, but you were also in this huge transition in your life. Can you talk to us about a couple of those things that were reshaping your identity or at least getting your attention of like, Hey, maybe there's a problem here. This isn't working. Sure. Well, when I was at the, the height of my career, anchoring and co-hosting, I, I just had this stirring in my spirit that something was off. You know, why are my professional choices and my personal choices conflicting with who I've always said I was with my professed values? And um, my health was suffering. My relationships were suffering, Joanna, with my husband and my children. I wasn't attending church as much as I wanted or needed to. My relationship with God was suffering. And that's really what the, the first thing that got my attention. And then um, when God, I could sense him calling me out of that unhealthy space where everyone was getting my leftovers. I was like, uh, uh, God, you called me here. I'm, I'm digging in. Like, mm -mm, I'm not going anywhere. This is my dream job. I'm at a professional high, even though my personal life was crumbling. And then when I went through that, that crisis, the season of hell, which I write about in the book, which I do think God allows a crisis every now and then to get our attention, which is what he did for me and what he is doing, I think, for all of us in this moment right now with a giant reset button. I had a miscarriage. I had a concussion, a car crash, influenza, and pneumonia wow. within seven months of my life. And I said, all right, God, because I truly <laughs> believe that if we don't listen to that still small voice and listen to that, the Holy spirit moving and and assess the the landscape around us and listen to our health that god will go through great lengths to get our attention and that's what he did how he got mine wow and i mean you you really walked away from <laughs> yeah as you say the dream job i mean it's the whole focus yeah. trading the two dream dogs for for like a life of calling yeah, I would yeah. imagine a ton of people had opinions about that. I would imagine um, the internet had a ton of opinions about that. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. about what you could teach us about, particularly I think of the view as a place or a training ground for thickening your skin. Mm -hmm. um, what have you learned about having a thick skin and how do you stay tender, but also have a thick skin? It's really tough. And I will say that it has come with time and through a lot of hurt and probably some missteps along the way. But I remember Joy Behar. She's one of the iconic guests, co-hosts on The View. She told me once behind the scenes, she said, Paula, you're impossible to offend. And I think just not living in offense, it's, it's mm. easy. Yes, I, I'm not going to lie and say I don't look at those, you know, some of the negative comments people say about me and don't internalize that. But I try to give people a lot of grace. 
And I try to give them as much grace as I give myself. And um, just realizing that we're all imperfect. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to have, be able to have conversations with people and not take things personally, but to have conversations with people that I don't agree with. And I can have a respectful conversation and love them knowing that they're made in God's image and they are fearfully and wonderfully made just like I am. And that's enough to love someone and that's enough to respect somebody. And I think living in that, in that and and also making a ton of my own mistakes um, it has allowed me to to give people a lot of grace and give them the same amount of grace that you that I give myself, not expecting perfection. Mm-hmm. So it just you know you you just realize you take it with a grain of salt. I don't know you know do you want to say something that's horrible about me or write something that's horrible? Well, you know I don't know what's going on in your life. And I'm not going to judge you on your worst day. I'm going to give you some grace and not take it personally and not live in offense. I'm just going to let it go because all it's going to do is eat me up inside. Yeah. Well, and I imagine that, uh, I mean, even scripture talks about in church leadership, one of the requirements is having a thick skin. And we often don't think about that. There's so many leaders who are very easily offended. And it's easy to, for everyone to spout their opinions at you on the internet these days. Do you, do you go much online? Like, are you, do you, do you read the comments? <laughs> um, you know, I, it's, it's tough because as a quote unquote personality, like you want to engage with people and yeah. you want to be relatable and approachable, but at the same time, like you, you, you want to be able to separate yourself from the negativity. So it is a, a fine balance. I try to limit a lot of my interactions to just like one or two platforms, Instagram and Twitter. Like I do post on Facebook, but I don't really check the messages. And um, I, yeah, I just try to limit it. Twitter was one of those platforms when I did the view. I, I rarely checked because if I checked it after a show, I mean, the things that people would say about me weren't just rude. They were threatening. And wow. I just didn't allow myself to go there because I knew it wasn't it wasn't a good space to be and it was unhealthy and very toxic. Yeah. And I mean, part of this question, too, for me is this idea of especially for women, we want to be liked. We want to be likable. Certainly, if you're in front of people on a screen, part of your job in some way is to be likable. That's how people keep coming back for more of you. But but I imagine, I know some, from some of your story of you were boxed into this idea of you're this kind, we all get this. I think this resonates so much with people. Like you were told you were only going to be the, the sports anchor. That was your thing. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so there was, how did you kind of break out of that criticism? Maybe not even a criticism, but just sort of this box that people had for you. Um, how have you like had the courage to go past that? Well, I think God asks us to be obedient. And, um, you know, I go back to Joshua 1 where God asked Joshua to take down the city of Jericho, but he had to circle it seven times, right? Circle it, why? I don't know. Probably to test him and to make sure that he was listening to God and to test his heart and to see if he was obedient. And I think there are these moments where God asks us to do things that may not make sense to other people. But we have to obey, and then we're we're also called to press into the fear, which I think there's this, you know, fallacy that we conquer fear and we never have to deal with it again. 
Um, so for my life, just, I, I, have always known that in Joshua, when God, when God calls you, he's going to equip you in the same way he was with Moses. He's going to be with me whenever he asked me to make any sort of shift. And so knowing that uh, I have to press into the fear, but knowing that God's there on the other side of it, I, I love that verse where he says, have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous for the Lord, your God is with you everywhere you go. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. So what does that tell us about fear? It tells us that we're commanded. Have I not commanded you to be strong and to be courageous? So we're not only commanded to push into it, even though it might not make sense, even though other people might be boxing us in, even though other people might say we're crazy and we're stepping out in fear, but we're promised that God's going to be there on the other side of it. But it's up to us to really, it's up to us to take that step and to push through it. But we're promised that God's going to be there. So yeah, someone said the thing that they could, they could relate to about me is that I make moves that don't make sense. And I feel like over, you know, throughout my life and especially my career, God's asked us to do things that may not have made sense to the world, uh, but we knew that, that we were unequivocally being called into a certain direction. And um, I think God gives you either a piece about something, his Holy Spirit can give you a piece about something in your gut, or you just feel like it's off. Mm. And, you know, for, for us, that's really been a litmus test in our life. Do we feel peaceful about this, even though it might not look completely sane on paper? Um, or do we feel uneasy? And there's a difference between like being uneasy and fearful, like, oh, I'm scared. I'm not going to do it. Well, no, fear is going to be present, anticipated and expected. Um, so so I, I can be fearful and scared and also be peaceful about the situation at the same time. Those can coexist. Those are not mutually exclusive. And so often we're like, I can be peaceful. I can feel the peace, but I'm still scared. So that means I shouldn't do it. Well, no, God talks about fear hundreds of times in the Bible and recognizes it. So don't expect to conquer it, but just know you have to press through it. God's going to meet you there. You just have to take step of faith. Yeah. It's sort of that, that thing that people like to post, especially right now, you know, in this scary time for a lot of people, uh, fear over faith or sorry, faith over fear. But I think, but I think probably a better way of saying it and what you're saying too is faith through fear that you got to go through it or work through it. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think the role of, or what are you seeing in your, from your viewpoint of faith in, in media today? I mean, you're, you're doing this podcast, you're interviewing political candidates, you're talking about faith in a world that is afraid, in upheaval, Uh confused. There's no grounding for us to stand solid ground where, what is faith doing in the midst of that for you in media? For me, um, I think it's just, it's, it's the thing that not only grounds me, but it's what I feel that the media has one reaction and, um, you know, I try to have a different reaction instead of panic. I want to have peace instead of uh, crisis. I want to have calm instead of fear. I want to have faith. Um, that's, but, but, you know, unfortunately with media, you know, it, the more sensationalized it is, you know, that, that, that's just kind of the MO and what's really fueling so much of the uncertainty and the panic right now is just the unknown and the uncertainty. Uh, we don't know a lot about this virus, whereas, you know, we know a lot about other diseases. We know where, when the peak season is and we know when it declines, there might be a vaccine for it. There might be treatments. There's so much unknown. Um, 
and, and so that breeds panic and it dominoes, dominoes the paranoia. But for me personally, you know, being able to separate myself and still, you can still recognize the, the fear that's out there and the loss. Cause we're all experiencing loss on a certain level, whether we're losing loved ones, whether we are losing jobs, whether we're losing some sense of significance, uh, whether we're losing our finances, we're losing our dwelling, we're losing relationships and connections. Um, I, I still come back to the verse, you know, you know, um, where it says, do not be afraid. Wait, no, no. I hold on. I'm like so burnt right now. Hold on a second. <laughs> Here we go. I come back to the verse. In this world, you will have problems, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So what that says to me is that we're not promised a pain-free, painless life. Uh, we were never called to a comfortable life, especially as believers. But what we can take heart in is knowing that amidst the panic and amidst the crisis, we can take heart in knowing that good overcomes evil at the end of the day. Yeah. And we can also take heart in knowing that this isn't it for us. This is not it. This isn't our final stop. So we shouldn't put too much stock and too much significance in this. Right. And so for me, that really puts things in perspective. So for others who are living out their calling in as communicators, working in media, that's a ton of the listeners of this podcast, what would be your encouragement for them today? Well, first of all, I want to, I want to be able to separate what I want to be able to define what calling looks like. Okay. Cause that's what the meat of the book is about. Mm -hmm. And when we throw that word calling out there, we're almost always talking about career and we're told to lean into that. And we're told that our worth is work and our value is vocation, that calling is career. And so when we lean into that, we become to, we come to identify with it, Joanna. And when there's any sort of shift in that, then what, guess what? We have an identity crisis. So what God really revealed to me when I walked away and then I had no idea who I was outside of what I did, God said, okay, Paula, let's define calling. You have a faith calling, and then you have a vocational calling. Your faith calling is your purpose on this earth, and it is to love God and love people. It's never going to change. It's never going to waver, and it has nothing to do with what you do. So my that's my purpose, and that's my faith call in my life. My vocational call can change, will change. I'm permitted to branch out, but my vocational call is vehicle by which I love God and love people. Mm. It's just the conduit. So it doesn't become so much about doing, it's remembering what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for. And this is not my identity. I'm no longer Paula Ferris, the co-anchor, um, you know, the, the journalist and this, that, and the other thing. I'm Paula Ferris, child of God. I love Jesus. I love my kids. I love my husband. And I'm curious and I'm a question asker and I am dogged and I will champion people. That's given me the permission to A, really know that my worth isn't in doing my worth isn't in work. It's given me the permission to see vocation as, you know, multidimensional. I can branch out. I can try new things. Um, it, it can be a chapter of my life. I can off ramp. I shouldn't back myself into a corner and see myself as just one thing anymore. So it's, it's given me this permission to, to really break out of that mold but rooted in knowing that my value doesn't lie in doing anymore. My value and my purpose lie in who I am. Those unchangeable tenets about who I am that, that don't change in a crisis and don't change in a pandemic. 
That's so good. I mean, I think it's a lesson we all need to learn, some the hard way, some the maybe the gentler way. <laughs> but I mean, that's the story of this book, Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. Uh, Paula, if people want to find your book or they want to find more of you and they want to track with your calling and your future and your work, where do people find you? Yeah, and, and read the book because uh, we yeah. really delve into vocational calling and how you know God's calling you to a different season or how you know when God's calling you to a particular vocational capacity. Like, like how do you know what you're inherently designed to do? So we really dig into that as well. But if you want to reach out to me, um, you can reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter. Like I said, I kind of, I try to limit my social media, but I try to engage as much as I as much as possible on both of those platforms. And you can reach out first name, last name, Paula Ferris, just like Paris, but with an F like Frank. <laughs> and I'm really grateful for your support of the book. Um, write a review. Let me know what you think. And um, again, just really grateful that, you know, God gave me this message and allowed all the failures and flaws in my life um, and allowed me to learn from those. And I hope that they can encourage other people and encourage you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's the kind of stuff we want to read because it's the real life lived lessons that we have so much yeah. to gain from. And Hey, I mean, on your Instagram, you can also see how Paula cuts hair. You can see the, you, I saw, I saw oh, on your no. Instagram, your husband's hair, you're, you're opening up a side business as a stylist. I see. So, um, more reason my for husband's people to wearing follow a hat. <laughs> Joanna, my husband is wearing a hat. That is not going to be a vocational branch in my life. Um, not God did not equip me with those talents, not a calling of any kind, anytime, anywhere. My husband asked me to cut his hair. I did a little too short on one side. He's wearing a hat, but that's all you need to know. Called out of the hair salon and into the podcast studio. <laughs> I love it. It's good. It's really good, Joanna. Thanks so I love much, it. Paula, for your time. Oh, thank you. Blessing. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's a privilege, a privilege to have a few minutes with you. Um, oh, yeah, I loved it. Um, good. Yeah, you're the kind of person I want to, I don't follow a lot of people on the internet, but I, I do want to be following and tracking with what you're doing. Um, oh, thank you. Just even at a on a faith level, but a professional level, I have a lot to to learn from women like you who do it with oh, strength thank you. and grace. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Just you know, just don't box yourself in and don't see yourself so one dimensionally, and give yourself that permission. And you know, for me, I, I didn't like I said the hard part was I didn't really realize how I got it all wrong and how how I, how much I identified with, with doing in this job until God asked me to step away from it. So I had become what I, what I said I would never become. Wow. Yeah. So, so. And your kids, are yeah. they loving having you? I mean, especially now more than ever, you're just home. You must love it. Yes. Yes. Although these days I've been locking myself in the room. Yeah. I've got to do an interview. Oh, play Fortnite or go, go online games. Yeah, so they're true. like, yes. Mommy's awesome. Like whatever. Don't have your third soda of the day. It's okay. <laughs> Try to give them grace. So, you know, this is a different time for all of us and you know, trying to give my kids a lot of grace because they've never, I've never experienced this and I'm an adult and they've definitely never experienced it. So I want to be graceful on how I'm handling them and just, we're all in it together. We are. Well, and I mean, the disappointment, I would imagine you had a whole marketing strategy for this book. You know, you're going to go on a book tour, you said, and, oh. all this kind of, and everything's 
you know, the, the playbook's thrown out the window. <laughs> I mean, it's not that things were canceled. We're just doing things in a different light. Yeah. But, you know, some things did cancel and didn't reappear. It's been a bummer. But I know that if God wants the message out, he can get it out because he's yeah. God and he yeah. can do anything he wants. So yeah. trusting in that. So. Yeah. Hey, in the Global Leadership, are they doing some, Global Leadership Summit? Are they... I assume yep. they're going to be doing something with this or maybe you're, I haven't, I haven't checked. This no, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, um, I'm going to be uh, co-hosting again and conducting a lot of interviews. We're just not sure how it's all going to shake out, whether we're going to have to do a lot of it virtually. I mean, they already do a good chunk of it virtually. So um, we'll see. It's, it's just, I mean, I'm hoping that things are different by August, but, but you never know. I mean, what are we, three months away? So, wait, May, June, July, three and a half months away. I don't so. know what, it's it's Febtober. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. I love it. I love it. So, all righty, Thank Juliana. you. Thank Thanks you so much, so much Paula. And appreciate the support. I really do. Yeah, I really, well, really do. And hope, hopefully I'll see you at the GLS. Hey, if, if it class. happens, if, if it's yeah. happening, I'll be there and I'll make sure Yay. to say hello. Thanks so much, Paula Ferris. Just amazing to have that conversation with her. And, you know, as people who are working in communications or you're connected to um, media yourself, obviously learning and leaning in from a person who has been doing that at like the highest and most professional level of that, there's just always so much to learn. All right, next up, we have this bonus episode. It's with my friends, Chris Chase and Bart Aniston. Actually, it took place in the Digital Church Facebook group that I told you about at the beginning of this episode. So go check out the Facebook group for the fresh content as it comes out live. You can interact live with people like that when I interview them. But uh, I wanted to throw it up here because I think it's just fresh and relevant content. We're talking about race and the digital space. Both of these guys have context for marketing, communications, and creative work as black Canadian men. And so I just would really love for you to hear from them as um, a black experience from a non-American perspective. And so I know this is a global audience, which is why I wanted to bring that to you. And then, hey, the next uh, kind of regularly regularly scheduled episode is going to be Nona Jones. She is the head of Global Faith Partnerships at Facebook. So she's an executive level person at Facebook and an African-American woman with an American, sorry, an amazing story of how she's really defied a lot of just statistics in her life of where her life could have gone. And then she met Jesus and how that's changed the trajectory of her life. And she's going to talk to us about social leadership, how to lead in the digital space. So thanks to Compassion, you can go to compassion.ca slash COVID to donate today. There's real need right now. It's a timely time to give, delivering much needed food, medical care, and support during the pandemic. Compassion is an easy way for you to get involved in helping around the world. And of course, wickliffcollege.ca slash digital. Check out more about why I chose Wycliffe College. Maybe you want to see if it's right for you if you're interested in taking a course this fall. See you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate it, and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world. 